Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Jeremy Scheinwald, founder of the Mission Driven Group here, with another entrepreneurial bio on the Smart People Should Build Things VFA podcast. Today we have Ben Hinman of Splash, an event promotion platform that's hard to sum up but is changing the event game for major brands like Anheuser-Busch, Facebook, Spotify, and even VFA. We VFA and Splash partner together for all events that VFA throws. Um, and they also do it for one, uh, Splash does it for one other very important person. That's going to be a little teaser to make you listen to the show itself. Um, pretty, uh, pretty current, popular person. Splash is like Eventbrite meets HubSpot meets MailChimp. In short, it isn't a static party page, but it allows you to customize your invitation, manage your guest list, stay in touch with your guests, and most importantly, enables your guests to use its social media functionality so that the impact of your events are amplified significantly and live well on uh, beyond the event itself. Ben's a high-energy entrepreneur who started his first firm, DC by Foot, a rapping, beatboxing, walking tour of DC right out of college. He sold his tour and became a founder of the Summit Series, which hosts exclusive events for high-profile entrepreneurs. And then he was recruited by Thrillist to manage their national events, which he expanded significantly. While at Thrillist managing all these events, he was having an epiphany that led him to launch Splash. It's a fascinating story, and Ben is a character, so let's just get on with the show. Here's Ben Hinman. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Ben, thanks so much for uh, for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. We have a lot to discuss. Uh, you've had a really interesting uh, career, uh, a couple different incarnations already. But I got to start with uh, with current events. I hear that the Pope uh, recently crashed your website. Yes. Tell me about that. The what Archdiocese happened? himself is on our accounts receivable list. Uh, yeah, it is. It's exciting. He. Um, I can't say that I like when the website crashes, and to be sure, to all of our uh, loyal users out there, it doesn't uh, crash often or ever. And this is actually the longest it's been down for quite some time. Um, it was down for a total of 20 minutes, and that was really scary. Um, two good things happened. Number one is my tech team. Uh, we, we have game plans. We have playbooks that we run, um, and they were on it exactly as they should have been. And on the other side of the room, the support and our customer success team handled it exactly as they needed to as well. So long story short, the, when, when the Pope tweets, uh, the world comes, and sometimes the servers aren't ready. But per usual, uh, it's how you react. And I was really proud of my team. Yeah. So, okay, I, uh, the Pope is, I mean, it's amazing you have him as a client. I'm assuming we, when you started, you didn't imagine the Pope I didn't imagine. Right now we have uh, the NBA, Facebook, Rihanna, and the Pope. So if you fall somewhere in there, uh, we are for you. <laughs> I'm not sure if I fall, fall in there anywhere. I'm, I'll, Maybe not. NBA, We're fall. still expanding uh, our target list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to take you back to the beginning here. I'm actually, I was going to read this, but I'm actually going to slide it back to a guy. If you watch, if you watch Ben's, go to his... Um, 
Go to his page, uh, the, the the about us page on on splashthat.com, and watch his watch his video. He's an animated guy, and he actually beatboxes himself out of his out of his uh, out of his little video here. So I was going to read this, but I think it's better if he does. Can you just read what I underlined here? Yeah. You see, you somehow uncovered the lines. So the colonies got to fighting. Tom Jefferson got to writing. He wrote a declaration, gave birth to a nation. His words they struck like lightning. Where's that from? Uh, that was the opening line of our tour. Uh, we gave a free walking tour in Washington, D.C., a buddy of mine. We started a business called D.C. by Foot, and it grew to be the number one most popular thing to do in Washington, D.C. before we ended up selling it, and they've since expanded. But, man, I said that line so many times in my life. Did you say it like that, or can you give it to us as you said it? <laughs> you don't want to hear what I used to say. It was, it was animated. I'm, I'm coming back to that at the end. We're going to have you wrap us out of this. The, uh, so my question for you is this. So you, you graduate from Vanderbilt, and were there traditional did you have did you have a bunch of jobs lined up were you I mean how did you make the choice right out of Vanderbilt to start a walking tour in DC yeah no it's it's a funny moment and I'm sure you know I've spoken to a lot of kids who are coming out of college and I think they have a similar experience uh um, we've spent so much time on our education and our network and our vision and who we are, um, but there, we, we, I didn't have any real tangible skills that allowed me to get a job. I got a couple job interviews at some big advertisement firms. I knew I wanted to do quote-unquote marketing. I had no idea. Um, I went on a walking tour in Berlin, and I, we had this idea. They gave free walking tours. I said, this is incredible. We wrote the business plan on the way home, and we said, we got to move to D.C. and start this company. Um, to answer your question, why the heck did we do this? I think the answer was we didn't have any other options. Um, it was either that or kind of figure out something we didn't want to do, but it kind of had to. But I'm, um, I'm fascinated by one aspect of DC by foot, which is that there wasn't there was no was there a suggested price or was there not even a suggested price? Uh, the and, way we and if you don't have income to start with, potentially, hey, pay what you want. That to me seems fairly high risk. Oh, it was, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. We drove into DC. We stopped in Crystal City, which was kind of just coming south. The first place we landed, got an apartment, walked into the National Mall, and started giving walking tours. We actually took every tour we could and uh, tried to steal all their greatest stuff and then uh, do it for free. Um, the way that we said, when we said free, we always would say, you know, it's a free tour. If you like what you hear, we'll appreciate your generosity at the end. If you don't like what you hear, just write your complaints on the back of a $20 bill, hand that to me, I'll make sure it gets to my boss. Um, and that worked. But what we ended up finding um, was that we were able to become relatively predictable in how we could encourage uh, tipping. Things like not actually asking them to come on the tour, but instead them just overhearing it increased the tip a lot. If they were a family and you only spoke to the children both before and during the tour, you could actually increase the tip a lot. What we ended up finding was that the tours ended up being about $4 and a quarter per person per tour. We got about 35 people per tour. And um, we actually had to iterate on the tour itself. It started off as a two and a half hour tour, but the sun started going down earlier and earlier. So we had to iterate on it because if the sun went down, they went home and we lost the tip. So things like that, these mechanics became really crucial in our development of this tour. Um, and we ended up with an hour and 15 minutes walking tour from the Washington Monument to the Lincoln Memorial. It was historical and hysterical. Trademark that. And um, it was, and it worked. But the, to answer your question, and I think, you know, to frame this to a college graduate who's thinking about either starting a business or joining a company, um, let me just say this, I think both are incredible options. The only thing that I know is that all that tour was for me was practice. And um, 
that's what you're looking for coming out of school. You're looking for practice. And I got a lot of practice in a lot of things, and it was incredibly risky to some degree. But I'll tell you this, I put $6,500 personally into the tour, and that was a lot cheaper than biz school. Um, <laughs> and so if you can frame it like that, I think it can be useful. But sometimes even getting paid with a job as practice, which then was my next step at Thrillist. Um, that was practice, and it always is practice. So how, how did you make the choice? Like, you, you, you sold the company. I did. Um, how did you make the choice? That, like, why was it time to move on? Why, yeah, why didn't you stick um, with it? You sound like you were having a great time doing it. It was amazing. We were, we, were, we were printing cash. It was ridiculous. We'd go to the National Mall uh, you know, at 2 o'clock and leave at 4 o'clock you know, with 600 bucks in our pocket. It was insanity. Um, frankly, I wish I was still doing it. No, it's uh, <laughs> a lot easier way to make that money. Um, but you know, I, uh, I, I found that... Um, I, I wanted to continue pushing towards scale. And I was having a very hard time scaling the business. Uh, scaling meant people, and scaling meant hiring people. And scaling meant um, kind of sacrificing quality sometimes in the pursuit of hiring great people. And that just didn't jive with me. Um, simultaneously, I'd started a, a, something called the Summit Series with a bunch of other guys. Uh, this guy came to me with a great idea to bring entrepreneurs together in a conference, and I said, I can help you. We built this uh, big summit, which has exploded with success. They have recently bought a mountain in Utah called Eden. We can talk about that another time. But um, So I was able to do the summit while working on the tour company. And um, this great guy who started Thrillist named Ben Lear came on the summit, said, what do you do for a living? I said, I, I own this walking tour company. He said, this event is great. Sell your tour company. Come work for me. I said, that's an awesome idea. And because I was dealing with those scaling issues and I just couldn't crack that nut, um, I, we sold the company, moved up to New York, and I started working at Thrillist. So, so. the story that Ben uh, tell Ben of Thrillist tells uh, is that when you were at Summit, some sort of a, a bus broke down or something like that, and you were sitting there, you were entertaining everyone, telling jokes, maybe beatboxing, yeah. and that he he was like, "This guy is life the party. We got to bring him over to Thrillist." It was is that really, true. It was exactly Not right. Not urban um, legend. Okay. It was exactly right. We were, I was with like Blake Mykoski, who started Tom's, and his girlfriend at the time, Maggie Grace, was this famous actress, and it was it was Ben Kaufman from who now is quirky, and they're all on this bus, and we're getting lost and I had to figure it out. You know, I, I guess the best thing that I can say to those listening who are thinking about starting their career or working on their career is that um, I was thankfully able to catch a wave and I kind of knew when there was a wave and uh, Ben Lear was my wave. Um, and I kind of knew that, it, yeah, like I, I put myself in that position, um, but it was so amazing that there was somebody to kind of take me there and my ability to be in tune with that there was an opportunity really changed it for me and, and he was not the first I should say there were many other opportunities um, I was thankfully able to catch that okay I think you just answered the question I was gonna ask which is had, had that not come along I mean, would you would you have stayed with DC by foot or was it just it was just oh, time man. You were, you were close um, to I, I was I was planning on staying with DC by foot but there were a lot of other little weird opportunities right. and other jobs uh, that's what happens right uh, a great mentor of mine always says um, with every door becomes three new doors mm -hmm. right I mean there was that there was all sorts of different things to do um, I think you know the only thing that I've learned to get good at is trusting the third eye and saying this feels right and I'm going to follow this. So Thrillist hires you to become their their, their national um, their national in, in events manager. Yeah, and you yeah. triple the number of events. I think from like what 15 uh, uh, to 45 in the at first least, year yeah. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Were you like you're running your own company right out of college? You've never really had a boss, right? So like, are you? Are you freaking chafing out. when you're there? Like, oh. are you like, oh no, these guys tell me what to do? Or you're like, I don't know how to make these people happy in general. Like, okay, it was the scariest thing in the world. You know, I, I think the best uh, anecdote to describe it was what uh, the first event. Ben Lear gets in a car and he says, "Oh man, how's this event gonna go?" And everyone in the car says, because they're on the way to the event, and it, this was a Jose Cuervo pool party. 
one of our biggest clients at the time. And Ben says, um, well, you know, well, I, I get the event better be good. That's why we hired Ben, an event manager. And everyone in the car said, Ben, we didn't hire an event manager. We hired Ben and told him he was an event manager. And that, that was really what happened. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and to a large degree, that's a lot of what was the inspiration for Splash was that I realized that, in many, in, especially in the events world, uh, many people are new. And it's a, it's a kind of a, but everyone kind of figures it out, and so that's what um, inspired our technology that hopefully makes it easier for them to figure it out. Um, but at the time, it was so so scary, um, and it just took a lot of extra work to figure it out. Yeah. And so you run these forty five events. You're there for what about a little over a year? You're in your two. Months? So we, I was there for two years, and we did seventy five over those two years. Seventy five events, like yeah. major labels, tons of Gigantic. like thousands of people attending these events. You picked the brand, yeah. How quickly did the idea while you're at, at Thrillist? How quickly did the idea for Splash um, arise? Yeah, and you know, I, I would actually say you're not going to believe me, but I'm truly day one. Yeah. Um, I'll believe you. The best, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the best thing I can, uh, the best advice I could give to anyone who is thinking about starting a business is that um, to get a job and create domain expertise in the business or the, the market that you're looking to attack couldn't be more important. And um, from the second I got there, I realized that all that it was was a task list. Um, and it was it was a budget and a task list, and figuring out how to reconcile those two things was my entire gig. Um, and I also realized how very broken the entire industry was, from vendors um, to producers um, and execution to just the general getting attendees, incredibly difficult. Um, and so really, I, I was conceiving this from day one, and I have no doubt, anybody who's thinking about starting a business I know that you can't stop your brain from working, and so you're always gonna be thinking about how to problem solve in a more macro and process-driven way. Um, and so it's fun to get that job where you can kind of apply that. I actually built the first version of Splash in Bento, which was this weird Mac product that was kind of a FileMaker Pro-style thing, trying to figure out how to engineer an automated tool for events. Um, and what we found, and what I found, was that um, it wasn't that I needed something that was automated, it was something I needed to give Michael Jordan uh, the best shoes, right? It wasn't a matter of creating a machine that could just do it. People were necessary, but and I was that person, but I needed tools, and that's right. where this came from. But I mean, you're saying, like, you're, 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 you're sort of simplifying. I mean, is the secret to throwing in good parties having a list of tasks? I mean, um, man, kinda. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kinda, yeah. It, it, I would say that it's 75% that and 25% creativity, but I think everyone we know who throws events knows that it is incredibly difficult to be creative if you're stuck in the 75%. And so that's what, uh, that's what we've been working on. Last week, I told you about three Venture for America fellows who started a company called Compass. You can check them out at hellocompass.com. Compass helps connect customers to talented freelancers who help build affordable websites using tools like Squarespace. Recently, they were telling me about a client named Tracy. She worked for a travel agency for years and then caught the entrepreneurial bug and decided to start her own business. She had all of these loyal clients, but no way to keep them engaged and create awareness that she was now independent. She didn't know much about building websites. Tracy thought that she could never afford a great website, but wanted something that was professionally designed and easy to use. Using Squarespace, a Compass designer created Travelin Tracy, T-R-A-V-L-I-N, Tracy.com, a beautiful, engaging website that helped Tracy connect with her clients. Now Tracy, now Tracy says, and I quote, my dreams are coming true thanks to her beautiful Squarespace site designed by Compass. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power Tracy's site, ensuring security and stability. It's affordable, starting at only $8 a month, with a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. 
When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code SMART to get 10% off your, your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast, a show about entrepreneurs and their stories. So you have this idea for Splash at uh, you know on day one. You have this idea, Ooh. and you're there for two years. Like, yeah. why? What happens? Like, I always feel like when you have a like when, when you have a great idea for a business, it it um, it just like this is the way I felt with mine. I, I just I could not. It was keeping me up at night for months. And I was like, I oh, just, yeah. I've got to do this thing, right? Like, I, you know, and so, like, and I, and for everyone, there's a different breaking point where, you know, where you, where you finally just say go. But you know, maybe were you working on it like slowly? Uh, were you like, did you cut ties? And say, boom! I got to get out of here. I got to um, work on this full time. How did that work? So I guess I would, I would look for you to reframe that concept, and, okay. and it's, it's what's uh, been useful for me. And at the time, I remember being very clear with myself about it. Um, I was working on it. Um, but I was, it was, if you think about yourself as a story, um, the amount of things that need to go right to get to the point that I am at with my startup. So I have 44 people working with me. Um, we're going to be doing mo- millions of dollars in revenue. We've got incredible investors. To get to that point, the amount of things that need to go right are incalculable. Um, and so what I knew at the time was that um, I needed a story. And it had nothing to do with my idea, nothing to do with my execution. It was actually my ability to create a story around myself. And so I said to myself, well, what would that story look like? And it included, for instance, an article in BizBash. I needed that article in BizBash to kind of solidify my story. I needed certain clients that I'd work with to create that clout. And so really what I was doing uh, from day one was building that story. And so what I guess what I would say to anyone who's got that idea that's itching at them, I would say, start working on it immediately but recognize that you are the most important component of that story and your ability to solidify your identity both digitally and in the real world and in the eyes of your peers, that is all part of what you are working on. Um, Truly just kind of the tipping point as to when you're not working for somebody else and when you're working for yourself. uh, To answer that question, I would say that has to do with the waves, right? And I would say the second you feel like you've built up enough of a tide in your story um, is the moment you should feel comfortable moving forward And, and not a second before because, and this is, the, this is the great truth that a lot of people don't remember, you have zero power the second that you remove yourself from your job. The second you're an entrepreneur and you're a freelancer or you're an independent, you are gone in the world. I was working at Thrillist. I could get reservations anywhere. I could, <laughs> I could get a meeting with anybody. You know, I mean, I was borrowing their clout. The second you leave that is the second you've lost that. And so what I would tell anyone is get everything you can. I mean, of course, don't take anything, but build up what you can while you're working on that and then take that leap. Um, and remember that there's no time lost there. We're just practicing. I'm impressed with the chutzpah of, of and I mean this in the most, po- I, I'm I impressed it. with the chutzpah, because chutzpah goes both ways, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, like, you've described Thrillist, uh, sorry, described Splash as kind of like Eventbrite meets Ticketmaster meets MailChimp meets HubSpot meets <laughs> all these things rolled into one to allow you to manage all aspects of an event on your own. And yet these are like really, really well-financed companies, and they themselves have been spending all this time you know, perfecting very or, or doing their best to perfect very narrow aspects, and you yourself are going to you're saying I'm going to take all sorts of functionalities and roll them into one. Like, I, I mean, you clearly you've you've managed to to build yeah. something, but what made you believe that this was even possible? You know, um, I actually. <sighs> I think what you're speaking about is kind of how I used to think I should have described it. 
Okay. And it, it, I think I've recently clarified, and recently, uh, over the last year or two, I've figured out actually what I, what I was really working on, and I didn't know how to say it, which was a, a difficult moment. I felt mute for a while. Um, what I realized was that uh, the people who were throwing events with Splash were actually not event planners. Um, they were marketers. And while the marketers had very similar needs, um, from a challenge standpoint, they their goals were very, very different than event planners, right? Their goals had to do with performance. Marketers wanted um, more leads, more sales, uh, more exposure. And so uh, while, to be sure, all of those features from MailChimp and Squarespace and Ticketmaster and uh, Eventbrite were analogous from a challenge standpoint, um, what I guess what uh, the great truth of our product is is that it's 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 um it's built for that marketing segment and really all that I, if I had just learned this earlier in my life I would have saved myself a lot of VC troubles because no one could understand what I was saying it was like what are you talking about you're not going to build all these products um, if I just said hey we're actually just building for a different customer segment that would have actually accomplished a lot for me okay and that that took me a long time to realize that so you mentioned the sense. you mentioned the VCs because I I know you got you got a, a bunch of doors slammed uh, in your face and and. Uh, uh, oh yeah, still uh, every, um, day. <laughs> every day, every <laughs> day. I think I think I read something. It was like thirty-seven or something like that. VC uh, said no to you. Forty-seven. I think that's on the low end. Um, yeah. So. And then you turn around and you like just bootstrap. Like, well, I, you know, VCs, you don't want to. You know, I'll just do it on my own. Yeah. But we're, was like, I'm a middle child. When people say no to me, I'm like, great, I'm going to do this. I actually yeah. found it to be invigorating. Was it invigorating, depressing? Both. Oh God, the most depressing. Depressing. I have a hard time with it. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult. I kind of all you have as an entrepreneur is your momentum, right? And uh, every meeting can feel like, you know, you've lost a piece of yourself. Um, just with you know one person saying just even one idea, even if it's a nice idea, but it's not your idea, and it kind of adds on or detracts or, you know, so, oh God, it is it is a grueling, grueling process, and I don't envy anyone. I feel like it's almost like getting into college in a way, right? Uh, mm. Just getting these VCs to back you. And, um, but yeah, God, what did we do? You know what I learned how to do? I learned how to stop after every meeting and say what just happened. That was a really important thing to say to myself after every VC meeting. I was just like, what just happened? Because sometimes uh, they would take me in a different direction, or sometimes they would just kind of be mean. Sometimes they would ignore. Sometimes they would really like bolster me up, but I knew it wasn't you know real. So asking myself what just happened helped me through it. I'm a pretty sensitive dude, so it ended up yeah that was a that was a tough run. Um, I don't have great advice for anybody who's going through <coughs> this, other than thick skin. Mm -hmm. And I, I just or, you know you, thick skin is a farce. Uh, just asking yourself what just happened and just being real about it. But the, I mean, the bootstrapping. You know how? how sure. You know what? So what is what is day one at, yeah. at, at Splash, and how how much leeway do you have? Like I'm always I, like Zero. so I'm always wondering when people bootstrap because I'm a bootstrapper. And I'm, an, I'm anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a, like an avowed bootstrapper. So like when I started my company, I had no time horizon. I was like, I don't know, this is just gonna work. Like I, I'll just fund through cash and I'll make it work, and that was it. Yeah. And um, and so I'm curious if you're like, well. You know, three months if this works, otherwise I'll go back and get six months. Not you, like, what did you have any plan like that? Or were you just like, let's go? Oh man, wow, what a question! It, it really <laughs> is. I'm telling you, we were god, every single day was terrifying. Yeah. we had days where we cried For together. Sure. It was me and my co founder. We had days where it was just, it, it couldn't have been scarier, and it was just all gonna go away, but I just couldn't, it just, I didn't believe that it would go away. And I, yeah. Um, it was just the two of you, you and Brett. It was just Brett. the two of us, me and Brett, yeah. Okay. And we were just kind of cranking on this thing. Man, you know, I guess all I can say to you is that that was, that still continues to be my great truth, is that um, this is a piece of me, and it's going to happen, kind of no matter what. 
Um, I, I do think that attitude's important, but I also think it's kind of terribly scary when you attach yourself to an idea so truly. Let me say this in a little bit more of a concrete way. Um, we had actually started, Splash was not the first idea that we were working on. We were working right. on something called One Clipboard, which was more of a base camp for events, more of a budgeting tool. Um, really kind of that workflow tool that I described originally. And, um, at, and because my ego, which was so powerful for me when dealing with these VCs, was so strong, I didn't give up on anything. But I also didn't give up on this idea that was actually the incorrect idea. And when we started Splash, it was kind of just like a uh, long shot. It was a Hail Mary pass. We were running out of cash. Um, we had one investor gave us a little bit of money. We stayed afloat, but it was it was bad days. We was over. And so that was Splash was a Hail Mary. The same muscle that I had developed for um, self-defense was actually my greatest Achilles heel. And it made it so I couldn't let go of this idea that was actually dragging me down. Um, I don't know that there's any great uh, lesson there other than just try to be honest with yourself. I think it was Gary Vee who always says, just stop lying to yourself, hmm. right? And if I, I think I, if I had stopped lying to myself sometimes, it would have been great. But also, uh, I, I'm proud of the fact, and I hope that entrepreneurs who are doing this are, are proud of the fact that um, y you know all you have is this momentum and your hopes and dreams and your ideas. And so also protect that and be okay with that. Screw that guy that said no to you. <laughs> Screw that girl, right? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. You talk about the, the, how terrifying it is. Like, uh, there are days where I'm still, I mean, 12 years in, you know, like there are days wow. where I'm still terrified today. Like, you know, we're, 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 we're so much more substantial a company than we were 12 years ago. Yeah. But that, <laughs> I think you need that terror, a little bit of that terror to keep, yeah, like, you're man. not, you're, you know, you're, you what, 40, say 45 people? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's got to still be a little terror in you, isn't there? Oh, it's way scarier, right? Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. we're on a tightrope right now. I mean, right. it's just now you just, when you look down, it's much higher up. Um, it's, right. it's terrifying. Um, you know, I do think there's a, there's a, there's a shift in between a time where, um, you're, you're not sure if the idea is good versus a time when you're not sure if the execution is good. And so that's an interesting inflection point, right? Where uh, there's a while where we were just weren't sure if one clipboard made any sense, if there was a rev revenue model, or even if Splash kind of had a revenue model attached. I do remember a moment where it was kind of like, oh, now it's a good idea. It's a good business, but now how do we execute on it? Right. Right. Now we're at a point where it's like, okay, it's a good business. We're kind of executing on it, but how do we create it and make it in a scalable and recurring way? Mm -hmm. And that has been an inflection point, and, and that is difficult in itself, is the business model sound. Right. Um, all three of those have been just dramatic shifts in our thinking. Well, um, I want to I, I give you this quote. This is, this is, again, from that great video that, that you have before, prior to the beatboxing uh, on your site. So, quote, we've been in business for two and a half years, and I should mention the first two years we did a really bad job. And then the last year we've ab been absolutely killing you say it with a huge smile. Yeah. Um, so, what, I mean, what were those mistakes? Aside maybe holding on to things a little too long. Holding on is the big deal. Yeah. Because sometimes the sometimes the uh, paradigm that you are in is actually incorrect, right? You're you're tinkering. Oh, excuse me. You're tinkering or tinkering away with your with an idea, and you're making these assumptions based off that idea. But the whole idea is wrong, right? Um, so that to be sure, just our inability to release. Um, so okay. So what led to the what led to the release? Like when did one clipboard become splash? How was that choice? Me. Yeah. Um, so we have a rule internally. We call it the Belsky Doctrine. And I would offer this to anybody who's building technology. Um, Scott Belsky is uh, the founder of Behance, who sold uh, Adobe. And he once told us that you can only build one product. Any line of code better contribute to the source code, meaning no one-offs. No little ideas that are offshoots. Don't build something for a client. you got to build it into the core. 
um, I wanted to throw an event to promote one clipboard at South by Southwest. And I said, I need a splash page in order to promote it. <coughs> and uh, lo and behold, uh, we had to build this. And I said, if we're going to build it, we got to build it for everybody. That's the rule. And so that's where this came from, that it had to be part of that source code. Now, I actually want to give this offering to uh, uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs. Um, Scott Belsky actually never said that. He not once ever said that to us, but I've been saying that to our team since we started, and it's become such a core part of our tenant that um, that is, again, uh, this lighthouse concept, just over and over again repeating the beacon of light and creating these branded ideas that people just need to hold on to. But uh, it's been really, really useful. It's an idea, We have it written on our wall, and everyone says it, and everyone talks about it, and we honor it. Um, but, yeah, long story short. Does um, Scott honor it? Is he, is he? Scott loves that I, that I have it, and he says, yeah, it's probably something I said once. And I said, that's great. Um, no, but the idea is that, right, that um, we needed to build this one product and we knew that we wanted it and needed it and that was it. And so then all of a sudden it, it was kind of, well, and this was what was crazy. Even then, so we, we launched this event. We launched it at South By with a splash page. Spotify starts using it and Google starts using it. I remember the Gansboard Hotel Group was the first people to use it. I was like, what is going on here? Why don't they have their own developers and designers? Why do they need our stuff? Um, even after that, when this started catching fire and people started RSVPing and then turning into event planners, and this was clearly a better business model, I still couldn't let go of one clipboard, so much so that we were actually had two simultaneous products. Hmm. And you could go back and forth in between splash and one clipboard. It was the stupidest thing we've ever done. Um, I, I just don't know how to say this clearly enough. Um, it's just I was lying to myself over hmm. and over again. The idea was sound, but our execution was way off. That's fascinating. So so this is this is... 2013 South by Southwest. 2012. 2012. Okay, because yeah. then Inc. Magazine says in 2013, mm -hmm. they they say you've stolen the show at South by Southwest in 2013. This is a quote. Oh, so that's another good move. Any entrepreneur out there, yeah. the press is your only way to tell the world what's going on. And your best thing you can do is make friends with the press. Okay. Because what the heck does that even mean? I got I got well, that's Fox what, that News. Was my question. I don't know what that means. That's my question. How did you steal the show? I don't What's know. I, we told us Inc. said so. It's true. <laughs> uh, we had Fox say we won South by Southwest. Uh, what is that? Who wins? There's no competition. We won it. Uh, look, I, I think that's been a really good piece of uh, my ability to move the story forward. We got to get some press for this podcast. I, you better say something amazing about us. Um, it's <laughs> oh, uh, so we got we have to learn how to uh, how to get the word out of oh, podcast. Fair enough. The press. Well, I heard that this it's podcast, the greatest podcast of all time. Yes. This is going to increase your revenue by 300%. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's that's been a secret. Um, it's not like they're incorrect. We've been doing really well at South By. Um, but our ability to help them tell our story. Um, but, but was it an inflection point? I mean, did you have a sense that 2013 South Southwest was going it, to be a big deal for you? It was, but um, I, I have to say, a little self-proclaimed. Um, you know, being your own hype man is important. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of people using Splash. We had a great party, a lot of new clients, uh, new investors at that point. So to be sure, there was momentum. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I think that the press made it look uh, better and awesome. Hey, this is uh, this is the, the second person to say that. Nick Taranto from Plated said that about two weeks ago on the show. It did. He's he? talking about how you just you they are don't be afraid to embellish a little bit. Absolutely. Um, that's twenty percent. You can go twenty percent ahead. <laughs> uh, so okay, so. So South by Southwest 2013 is a big success, and then you raised some money after that. You raised a million dollar round, and then ultimately a six million dollar round. Yeah. Um, so were any of those 47 or more naysayers among those VCs in that round? Was oh yeah. It, were there any hard feelings? Were you just like able um, to? 
Like, I have some incredibly hard feelings, and I've written a bunch of emails and not press send. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, and some of them came back and were like, I'm, I missed out, but I, can I get in now? Um, right. And it's incredible. I, I always hear that. It's a fun thing to hear that you know a VC is ninety nine percent no and one percent beg. Uh, so these guys, you know, it's it's not there. It's uh, you know, I, I think it's easy to feel uh, resentment and to place blame. In a lot of ways, as I look back, it really was my inability to tell the story in a compelling way. And I think that as I look back, I was kind of lying to myself that they were wrong. They actually were probably pretty right. We were right. talking about investing in one clipboard, and I couldn't believe that they didn't understand it. Right. And in fact, they were completely right. Before we go back to our interview with Ben, if you've been listening to this podcast for the past 20 weeks, you know that we appreciate entrepreneurs of all different shapes and sizes. We've heard from venture-backed entrepreneurs and my personal favorite, the bootstrappers. Last week, I had the pleasure of meeting the founder and CEO of LD Products, Aaron Leon, and his story was pretty fascinating. As a 21-year-old student at USC, Aaron began buying and selling aftermarket ink and toner cartridges from his dorm room. His company started out shipping about eight orders a day and soon grew to meet demand. By the time Aaron graduated in 2000, he was ready to rent his first office. Fast forward to today, LD Products is located in Long Beach, California, has acquired its largest competitor, expanded its product line to include office supplies, and is now approaching $100 million in annual revenue. Pretty enviable. Even in its 16th year, LD Products continues to maintain its startup vibe. They now ship over 6 million cartridges a year. While LD Products provides both name brand products as well as aftermarket, meaning remanufactured and compatible, ink toners and cartridges these days, it remains true to its roots of keeping quality office supplies affordable without sacrifice. In fact, the company touts savings for its customers of up to 70% over brand name printer, printer supplies. On top of that, its Long Beach, California-based corporate headquarters fulfillment center was the first platinum lead certified building in the new construction commercial category in the United States. LD Products cares about the environment and helps to keep oil, plastics, and waste out of landfills by remanufacturing them for reuse. After meeting Aaron and telling him about the podcast, he wanted to offer Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast listeners, free shipping and an additional 10% off their competitive ink and toner prices at LD Products. Some businesses, like mine, spend up to 50% of their office supply budget on ink and toner alone. By using LD brand products, you could cut those costs in half. Use promo code SMART at checkout. Offer valid through December 31st, 2015, excluding OEM, free shipping to the contiguous United States. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast, a show about entrepreneurs and their stories. So how, how did you, when, when did, when and how did you give up on one clipboard and, and allow it to become the splash that it You're is? You're not going to believe it. This year, we this year. removed the planning tab, which was what one clipboard became. I, you know, so it's going to come back. <laughs> um, you know, as we're working with uh, incredible businesses like, like VFA, for instance, a lot of their ability to calculate the budget in relationship to their ROI is important. And so that vision was important. And you know, I look at Anheuser-Busch, who's managing 100,000 events this year. They care deeply about uh, their budgets and their tasks and how things are done. Um, so I, I guess the best thing I can glean from that is that the vision and the idea can be sound. <coughs> it was really the execution that needed work. 
um, and our means to getting there. That was what was important. So yeah, long story short, that just went away, but it's coming back. So you have $6 million in funding. Yes. And that to me is, is, is uh, it's something I can't relate to, but it's interesting because I think we think of the, the venture-backed CEO as this like really empowered individual who's got this money now to go out and take on the world, but you've got bosses now, right? I mean, the board oh, is your boss, you right? You can't, you wouldn't even believe. Yeah. I'll tell you this, uh, anybody who's thinking about raising money, Figure out your business model as far in advance of your Series A as you can. The second you get a board, so usually the seed round, you don't get a board, sometimes. Um, but the second you get a board is the second that you have to report. And it's hard to, you know, if you're experimenting still, it can be very difficult to report. Because sometimes a lot of our time now is spent on thinking about what we're reporting and how we're thinking about the business. And sometimes that's not right. And sometimes forcing it to be right can actually ruin the business. Right. Um, so yeah, that has been a really big shift. And um, actually, the best way that I've been doing it is I've hired people who know how to speak VC better than I do. Because uh, so like hired an investment relations person. To uh, yeah, people. Someone, someone, someone okay. internally who's an incredible. Uh, he's our VP product, and he's moving over to operations now, and he can speak um, VC, and he's amazing at it. And that's, I, I think, uh, something that I've had to become okay with is that I'm really not good at certain things. Right. And uh, all it takes is hiring people who are great at them um, to make it okay. That said, uh, hiring somebody to be great at something when you don't yourself know how to do it is really tough too. Hmm. So uh, it's it's kind of a catch-22 in that way, but I've gotten lucky. So I, you said there are some things you're not great at. I'm going to put a positive spin on that, on that, on that uh, what you just said. While struggling you know, to get somebody off the ground can be really stressful, as we talked about, so can growth. So like, what are the champagne problems you have right now? What champagne the- problems. Pope. The Pope is a, is a champagne <laughs> problem. Um, the champagne problems. Yeah. I, oh, man. You know what an interesting one is, and I think that this is something that um, anybody who's going into a startup should should kind of perk their ears right now. <sighs> Defining roles is what I'd call a champagne problem, meaning I have people who I would call incredibly talented. Um, they are they are so good and could be incredibly good at different uh, in different business settings, etc. What we're struggling with right now is defining who they are to our business and how they're you know, providing the greatest leverage. And the messed up thing is, is that it can actually change dramatically week to week. And I often say to my team, it's actually not how fast you can work, it's how fast you can change. Because if you're operating at the same velocity as you were a year ago, or frankly even a month ago, you're doing it wrong and you're gonna get left in the dust. So it's how fast can you increase your acceleration here? Um, and so, you know, I guess that the what I'm trying to say is, is that I've got people who we're trying, we love, we love, and I want to work with till the day I die. And it's really hard at this point in the business to figure out exactly how they can offer the most value. Um, and I would say that's somewhat of a champagne problem because how cool is it? I got a business where I don't even know what to do with certain people. <laughs> but in many ways, it can be quite toxic to have, uh, you know, uh, somebody not optimized or not, you know, providing the most value. Yeah. Well, so, so this, I mean, this leads naturally to, to another, like another quote that I pulled, which is, you said, all I work on all day, really, is making sure everyone on my amazing team cares. I do that by giving them ownership, by encouraging them to yell at me, to tell me when I'm going wrong. And you're a pretty freewheeling guy, and yeah. but you also said you're sensitive. Does anyone really <laughs> say it to your face? Like, do people uh, walk in your door oh like, hey, Ben, you're wrong on this? Right before this. Yeah. Uh, every day. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of wrong all the time. But, you know, <laughs> I, but I, can, I back off. Um, yeah, I've done, so what I would say to any aspiring um, 
person who's working for a company or someone who's starting a company, do not be stingy with equity. Be, you know, get rid of your option pool. You know, uh, make people, you know, they have to vest, but the point is to get people to buy, buy in and let them know that they're, I, I think I said this to my team the other day, there are no adults in the room. You know, look around. You know, there's nobody here to hold your hand. And we have people who are, I would say, are much older than I, but they're still not adults, right? I mean, right. there's nobody to watch you here, <laughs> right? There's no, you're here to, to execute. And this, the, you're the, there's no Calvary coming. You are it. Um, and so I think that your ability to give people both the, the, um, the leeway, but also the ownership in the business um, is really important there. And I will also kind of, and I'm sure any of my team members who are listening right now would also say, all right, Ben, we'll get off my back then, right? Um, I think I can still be working on my ability to kind of back off. Um, but yes, they tell me I am wrong every day, and they're right. You're clearly like a, like a, a high-energy guy here. Oh, thanks. And, I'm uh, trying to be. <laughs> it's, it's chugged uh, coffee, so we're good. How many, how many cups of coffee are you drinking? Oh, too many, man. i got to cut back. I think I'm doing three right now. I'm doing three with one latte. So, Ooh, yeah. that's, that's four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's five. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> but anyway, what what you know you have you, all this energy. I, I think you know it works to me. I think it works really well when you're small, and then for me it worked really well when I when we were smaller. Yeah, and then it's harder to kind of like have that personal touch with every single person oh, once you're man. at 40 people and have them know that you're really energetically invested in them. Like, how have your relationships evolved as you've gone from five people to 45 people? It's been and, and likely, I'm assuming in a year from now, I don't know, 65, 100 people. It's been honestly kind of bad. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm doing it super well. Um, I wish that I had and continue to wish that I could empower people within my business to be the managers and feel the leeway without me that they are. Mm-hmm. We're getting better at it. And we're, you know, what, what we did was recently we did kind of a hiring freeze. Kind of a, hey, how, how are we doing here? We got a lot of people. Are we optimized? Because mm-hmm. it's a you know, VC-backed company, there's a, you know, it's... It looks nice to continue growing, and hey, we're hiring. Looks nice on the website, um, but we did stop for a bit and kind of you know reevaluate. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I think if you ask any of them, you know, what the biggest issue in the business is, is that Ben's hovering, right? Okay. And you know, I don't know how else to say it. Um, it's what I do, and I'm working on it. It's something I'm working on. I'll let, I'll let you off the hook. I'll yeah, it's hard, because dude. My it's friend, hard. My good friend, Eric Schrader, who has helped us get a few Venwise guests, and you, you, we had, we had Neil Capel from Sailthrough. Oh, yeah. We had, uh, we had, um, oh, we've had, we've had a couple others now that I'm, I'm thinking about it. We had Home Polish on. We had, I'm trying to think of who else. Anyway, um, uh, Will Nathan, and... Uh, he said that you guys have a crazy culture and that you've got your computer system rigged to lights that go up different oh, yeah. colors. Tell, tell us about w- the environment in your office. And he suggested that I, that I put you on the spot oh, and try man. to tour myself Let me give you day. three things that I love that we've done to encourage this kind of culture. Um, because, yes, that, I think that is, my, that is what I'm supposed to do. If I'm not there, I want the office to reflect my vision, and I want words like the Belsky Doctrine to ring in people's ears, right? Um, we have the lights linked up um, so that it turns purple whenever we push code. Purple means push, and it turns green whenever we make a sale. And so anyone can trigger the lights at any point. The idea is that we're all doing this together and that everyone should be aligned. We've cut holes in the wall because we want the teams to communicate with each other. So they have cool triangle holes in every wall to you know, make sure you're talking kind of thing. Um, we give out Sharpies 
um, as kind of to uh, for our tenants. If you have embodied perfect process, then you get a purple Sharpie um, and things like that. Uh, but the, sh- the reason that the Sharpie is so cool is because then you're supposed to sign the desk with mm. the Sharpie. Um, I guess all of these things that we try to we try to remind the team that man everything that we try to do tries to get them to be to, to remember that they are the only ones that truly matter and the, they're the last line of defense be it that they can trigger the lights themselves or they can draw on the desk themselves right um, or that they better talk to each other um, you know and I remember this is like my proudest moment one of my the director of design for my company pulled me aside and said, "Hey Ben, you know, um, I was looking at the website and I went home this weekend and I started working at a whole new brand guidelines because I looked at the office and realized that they weren't, you know, coherent. They, 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 the website did not reflect the office." And I was like, "Mission accomplished. That is awesome." Um, so yeah, the office has been a real tool in managing and expressing culture. Um, and also just kind of like telling everybody over and over and over again that they are the people that need to execute um, and to let them screw up. And when they screw up, you are okay with it. So you're running, what, how many how many events now a year? Ballpark? Yeah, can I, can I ask? No. Um, right now, oh God, it's grown a lot in the last couple months. Um, I think we're at around 6,000, sorry, 600,000 this year. 600,000 events a year. Yeah, it's a and lot. You've got, like I said, Spotify, Facebook, Anheuser-Busch, Hennessy, um, the Pope. I mean, it doesn't get much better than the Pope. It's, yeah, uh, Pope is the top. Yeah, you said Rihanna. You said all, all the. I mean, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, do you worry that you know events, Eventbrite or HubSpot is going to figure this out at some point? And be like, well, who's this splash? Like, what, like why don't we just add this functionality? I mean, to a non-tech guy, yeah. it's just not that easy. What Come keep, at what, us, man. What keeps uh, What uh, keeps you up at night? Um. Actually, it's kind of, in a way, the opposite. I know for a fact that they can't play us. Hmm. And if they want to, oh, man, it would would just validate the market. They can't even come close. Our CMS is absurd. And uh, the way that we're thinking about it and uh, just uh, the insights that we've derived from clients and uh, pumped back in the product, it's it's on another level. Um, And while they're incredible companies, they're just not hitting this customer segment in the way that we are. And so, really, the thing that scares me the most is just time. You know, every second, and I tell my team, it's actually about 20 minutes, sorry, $20 per minute is what it costs right now in the business. Mm. And that's scary, man, Mm -hmm. because time could run out. Um, And we, you know, know, the metrics didn't meet uh, our goals, and that could be a scary moment. So really, to me, it's just like, this, this is urgency time. So what needs to happen to extend that clock? What needs to happen? Where's the company going? Man, um, you know, over the next six months or so, we're going to be working a lot on, on really stabilizing our core feature set. We kind of know what we need to build now. Our pipeline is so robust from a development standpoint, so now it's just doing it. Again, the right people to do it, making sure we have the correct answers and testing those assumptions. And it's a lot of that over the next couple months. Um, this is, you know, the great truth that nobody ever told me is that the hardest product to build is your sales team. Your revenue product is much more difficult than even your product product. Um, that's not to say you need to start on that before you finish your product product, because that's that's a big part of your sales team, your ability to sell, right? But that was that's something we're working on. It's kind of how do we serve our clients correctly? How do we get clients in the way that they want to be gotten? Um, how do we give them the right price? How do we make sure their package meets their needs? 
that's what's hard. Um, and so we're spending a lot of time on that. Yeah. Okay, last question here. Oh man, uh, I'm going back to the Pope. It's just—it's so fascinating to me that that. I love that love... you love the Pope. Me too. He's a great Pope. He is, he is a really good Pope. It's no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not Catholic. I'm, I'm working Jewish, the door. I, I, this is a good Pope. Me too. Pope. I mean, Shana Tova. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. It is. It, I'm telling you, the craziest part. I, I had a meeting with the with Secret Service the other day about really? the check-in, and you know, talking about and you know, we're the technology that's like making sure that people get in to you know meet this guy. Right. It's amazing. I didn't even think about that layer. That's fascinating. It's fa- we're doing the check in we're doing the mobile check in there's going to be 80,000 people checking in on our on our app you wow. know, on Friday all of a sudden this sounds like a Jerry Bruckheimer movie or something it's like that. insanity yeah. man i mean what's crazy is we, we do this with anheuser Bush all the time this amount of people so we're not super scared about it but it's uh i don't know something about this you know Archdiocese that just gets people excited. So, yeah. how, when did you learn that they were going to be using your site? Like, like, what's the date today? It's about September what twenty first or twenty oh, second or something. We got a we got a call what? from this. So, it was the city of New York who actually hit us up. But it turns out that this this led to a uh, a deal with the uh, actual archdiocese in Rome. So that's oh my god. Yeah, we're invoicing Rome. So that's I, great. I literally said, oh my god, oh my god. Uh, that's, that's uh, hey, watch, watch your mouth. Are, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. Um, so anyway, so they, um, it, you know, it was a city of New York, and man, they came inbound, and that's been what's happened every time, give or take. Any big deal that we've had has been because somebody RSVP'd to an event and liked it. And the best thing I can offer somebody who's building a business is to say that all you should be focusing on the only thing is how you can make your users look awesome enough that they share it with their people and that their people come to you. And every time we invest in looking awesomer, the more they spread it, right? And, it, and the, the great truth is it has nothing to do with Splash. Uh, if you look at Splash's logo, it's on the bottom of the page and kind of only there. And you can white label it. You can take us off. We don't care because what we know is that people will find their way. And I can tell you, you know, anecdotally that Hennessy RSVP'd to a baby shower, you know, Spotify just kind of read a Mashable article. I mean, that that actually doesn't count. Let me give a better one. AB um, RSVP'd to a startup event. And it's like, you know, your ability to get people to push your message, that it's, we call it a viral coefficient. We call it our ATO, attendee to organizer. That is what we look at all day. Um, and so, you know, as people conceive their businesses, that'd be the greatest thing I could offer is that um, one day, if you make the best cupcakes, someone will share it with their friends and their friends are going to come buy cupcakes from you. Yeah. Um, all the way up to the Pope. I always say that, you know, you're, you're going to, they're going to do it not for not for the company, not because they love Splash, but because they love their friends. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if they're doing that, then you're winning. Yeah. And absolutely. so we got there, man. And oh, we're getting there. It's awesome. Gonna, it's, it's, a, it's a journey. Well, congrats on your success, and thanks so much for coming here and sharing your story. I really appreciate you guys having me. This is fun, and I I do want to offer, you know, um, anybody who's listening to this podcast and has actually gotten all the way through to this point, um, (laughs) if if I can be of any help in in your journey, um, please hit me up. My email is ben at splash that, and I'd be so happy to be of help. Or, I don't know, uh, we'd be happy to comp a new event to get your... your your business off the ground. Thanks so much. Yeah. That's great. I, I just you know I, I offer I offer that all the time, and, and I'm yet to hear from anyone. So after you're done reaching out to Ben, people just you can reach aren't, out to yeah, me. people just aren't listening this long, man. We got to get excited in the beginning. Well, yeah, shtick. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.